Welcome to How Leaders Lead, where every week you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I break down the key learnings so that by the end of the episode, you'll have something simple you can apply as you develop into a better leader. That's what this podcast is all about. You know, grit is one of those buzzwords people sure throw around a lot. And to be honest with you, it can be hard to define. But you know it when you see it, and you sure as heck see it in our guest today, Mike McCoy. This weekend, Mike has the honor of being the captain of the United States team at the Walker Cup as our top amateurs compete against Great Britain and Ireland at St. Andrew's legendary old course. Mike is one of the world's top amateur golfers, and he has been for decades. He even earned a coveted amateur spot at the 2014 Masters. And he's done it while building a successful career as the area president of a top firm, Gallagher Insurance. That level of achievement in both golf and business just doesn't happen. It takes an elite mentality, a big commitment, and a willingness to do the hard stuff. In other words, it takes grit. And this conversation will help you understand what that grit really looks like and why there's just no substitute for it when it comes to your success. So here's my conversation with my good friend and soon to be yours, Mike McCoy. I was glued to the tube a few weeks ago watching Brian Harmon win the uh, Open at Royal Liverpool. How'd that make you feel knowing that he's uh, played on the Walker Cup a couple of times? Well, I was thrilled for him. I think back in 2009 at a Walker Cup practice session, Brian was my partner. And I'll never forget, we were walking down the first hole and he said to me, hey, don't be afraid to hit those putts past the hole. I'll make them all coming back. <laughs> so he had a lot of confidence. <laughs> That's great. That's great to have a partner like that. Now, you were selected to be on the 2015 Walker Cup team at age 52, making you the third oldest player in Walker Cup history. Now, tell us about the Walker Cup itself and why it's such a prestigious golf event. The history really goes all the way back. Uh, this is actually going to be about the 100th anniversary of the start of the match. And uh, it was founded by George Herbert Walker. And really, it was started as an uh, international competition to foster goodwill amongst the nations. And at that time, really, the only countries that had competitive golfers were the United States and Great Britain and Ireland. And that's really how the match uh, developed. And then, you know, for the last hundred years, we've been playing uh, the Walker Cup every other year. You know, it's an unbelievable event to, to, to watch. And, and I've certainly enjoyed watching you when you played. You know, describe the moment when you got the call to be a player on, on the team that you were on. Well, it was a dream come true. I have to admit, I chased making that team for a couple decades. I uh, had a lot of friends that had made previous teams, and I knew what a wonderful experience it was for them. You know, it was really my top goal, you know, as I started each season was to, you know, play well enough to catch the eye of the selection committee and ultimately uh, earn a spot on the team. Well, that was uh, fantastic to see you do that. And describe the moment when you got the call, and it goes full circle now, and you get the call to be... The captain, what was that like? Tell us about that moment. Of course, I was, uh, you know, 
pretty emotional. And I knew my family was very happy for me. And, uh, you know, just one of those dream moments in your life you'll never forget. Well, everybody that knows you in golf and knows you as a person was just as happy when the, they heard about it. I can assure you that. Now, I have to ask you this. You know, it's always a lot of pressure being a leader. Uh, you know, are you feeling more pressure now as the captain or back when you were a player on the team? Uh, I think I'm feeling more pressure now. You know, we're, we're going uh, overseas to St. Andrews. And uh, it's their home territory in front of their crowd. And we have the cup right now. And so the pressure is on me and, and our team to retain that cup. You know, well, I want to talk more about the Walker Cup here in a bit. But I also know you have an extremely successful career in insurance. How did you get started in that business, Mike? You know, it was really a little bit lucky. I had a good family friend who was a headhunter. And uh, there was an independent agency in Des Moines, Iowa, that was looking for, you know, a salesperson. And historically, the firm had always hired insurance underwriters from inside the industry. And they thought they would try to maybe bring somebody in that might have a little more marketing and sales background. And then with the idea, they would teach me the insurance business. And that's really how it got started. It was just they took a chance on me. And I invested a lot of time and learned the business. And, you know, it really was a perfect fit. Do you see any difference, you know, as you've climbed the, the ranks in, in, of management, do you see any difference when it comes to coaching your golfers versus coaching your, your employees? Well, golf is a little bit, you know, more individual. You know, the players are working on their own games and they have their own issues individually. But when you're working on a team, you know, the team has a collective goal of serving one client and, you know, solving a problem for the client. And, and so everybody on the team has that same goal and everybody has their own little role to play. So I think you really, when you're in a business setting and your team is mature, you know, you have this high level of trust that everybody's going to execute their role. And at the end of the day, we're going to deliver that, you know, that product and solve that problem for the client. With the golfers, you know, you're really just, you know, they're so uh, individual. You're trying to just put them in the best frame of mind to be successful. And, uh, you know, golf is so mental and so much tied to, you know, how they view themselves. And I think my job is to make them feel like they can walk through a wall and are going to play great golf. So, you know, you're seen as a great leader, Mike, because of your ability to not only assemble really highly talented people in your company, but then get out of the way and empower them to, to do their job the best they can do it. Who taught you to lead like this? Well, I think it was really out of necessity. The insurance industry has gotten more and more complex, and there's been more specialization required to serve these complex clients. And so, I reached out and, and found people inside the organization that I could depend on that were experts in their various fields. And so my role really becomes more of a project manager, making sure the best that uh, our organization has to offer is, is delivered to the client. And so you, you just can't do everything for everybody. And so I bring a team together and... I just make sure we, we hit our timelines and we deliver what we promise. 
Now you're the Walker Cup captain and you're running this successful insurance business and and you've also won Iowa's Player of the Year uh, award 11 times as as an amateur golfer. How do you do it all? Well, uh, it's a lot of organization. I don't necessarily play a lot of golf when I'm back in uh, Des Moines. Uh, I, I do go hit some balls in the evening and I, I live on a golf course. So that makes it a little easier. I can go down and steal an hour in the after dinner. And then I have a good team and they know when I'm going to be gone. So we try to work ahead and get some of the projects finished early. You know, I've had supportive uh, wife who's given me that uh, little bit of leeway to get away on the weekends and, and go compete. How's technology helped you through all of this? It's just been incredible. I don't think I could have done it without the cell phone and the ability to respond to emails. You know, when I started in the business, we used to type letters. We had a steno pool where you could dictate your note and came back on your desk. And, you know, you really had time to think about your response and do some research. In today's world, people are looking for that, you know, immediate response and without email and and cell phones, I just, you know, you, number one, you couldn't keep the clients happy. And I certainly couldn't be very far from the desk. You talked about, you know, almost looking at leadership as a project manager role and, you know, meeting your deadlines. How do you project a sense of urgency for your team? Well, I, I think, you know, we have a kickoff call and, and we basically you know, describe the situation, describe the opportunity, or in the case, let's say it's a claim, you know, you, you, you discuss the, where the friction is and, you know, everybody sort of develops and contributes to, to, to the strategy. And, you know, we take a lot of pride in, in how our clients are serviced. And, uh, you know, most of these people have been clients for, you know, 20, 25 years, they've become good friends. And, you know, there's a little extra pressure. You don't want to disappoint your friends. So part of it's just personal pride that you want to, you know, you want to get the job done and you want to do it properly. I've read where you cite uh, Jay Siegel as someone who guided you along the way. Tell us about Jay Siegel and the role he played in your life and career. Jay gave me the best advice that anybody ha has ever given me regarding the insurance business. And Jay was a successful agent. And I called him, and, and the one thing he said, you know, I was evaluating a couple different offers, and he said, pick the firm that's going to spend the most time training you. And, you know, your success is, is really going to be based on, you know, your ability to gain knowledge in the, of the product. And, and, uh, and I, I was fortunate. I ended up with a firm that had a lot of very strong professionals and they mentored me. Um, you know, I think I went to lunch with them every day for four or five years. And, you know, I kind of got an MBA in, in uh, risk management. And I look back upon those days. Most of them have passed now, but uh, I have fond memories of, of them. And I'm very grateful for what they taught me. You know, Jay Siegel, for everybody's information, is one of the greatest amateur golfers in, in the history of the game. And, and there's so much about golf that translates into business. And when you think about it, Mike, what are the top one or two things that come to mind when you think about lessons you've learned on the course that have carried into your life as a business leader? Golf is really never over until you hold the last pot. And 
you know, sometimes the round doesn't start off so well, but, you know, if you keep your attitude and keep working, you know, a lot of times you'll have that little spurt on the back nine where you'll make a few birdies and kind of turn the whole day around. And that's very true in business. Uh, you know, you, you may start working on a project for a prospective client and you don't feel it's going the right way. You know, you're not coming up with the right answer. Uh, you're not certain you're going to be able to break that long-term relationship. And more often than not, if you just get to the finish line and keep working, more often than not, something happens. You may not get the whole order, but you walk away with a piece of it because, you know, your clients admire the grind that you put into it. You know, we talked about this a, a minute ago, but I should also note you've won these Iowa Player of the, of the Year awards in four different decades. You know, that's amazing. You don't look that old, Mike. You can't be that old. <laughs> What's been your key to sustained top performance? How have you been able to do that? Well, the key is that I've never really taken a break. I've I've really consistently played competitive golf um, really since I started college. And the Iowa winners can be tough, but usually you get away, and, and now I'm fortunate I can spend a little more time in Florida. I think that's been the key. I didn't set the clubs down for four or five years. I always kept my game reasonably sharp, and it's allowed me to stay competitive a little longer. You know, you were the 2013 U.S. Mid-Amateur Champion, which is a massive accomplishment. What did it take to get that done? Oh, boy. I, I would say... You know, I, I won my first match, which was probably the most difficult match I had uh, on the 18th hole. And I made a big birdie on 17 and then had a big up and down on 18. And really, I did feel very fortunate to walk away. I, I, I could have lost that match as easy as I, as I won it. And uh, so you have a little luck. I think a little luck helps. Uh, you know, you just can't run the, the gauntlet of playing all those matches without having a, a few good breaks go your way. And then, you know, I really was, you know, my game was sharp. I was prepared. Uh, I think I hit it in 14 bunkers that week. And I was able to uh, uh, get up and down every time. So I didn't, I, I never failed to get up and down out of a bunker. And that was pretty remarkable. <laughs> you know, that, that win enabled you to play in the 2014 Masters. Uh, What's one of your favorite stories from that experience? The best thing that happened is my, my oldest son, who, who's a good player, uh, was able to caddy for me and spend the week with me out there. And it was really fun to, you know, I watched through his eyes and the people he met and, you know, the wonderful uh, way Augusta treats the amateurs. Uh, it's, a, it's a special week and they make it very special for all the amateurs. You know, staying in the present, as you know better than most, is critical to golf. How do you translate that into business as a leader? Well, it's easy to get distracted. And I think it's important that, you know, you keep your mind is sort of it's when you're playing golf, you kind of keep your eye on the target. And in, in business, you know, you're keeping your your eye on the goal. And you just kind of keep reminding people, here's what we're here for is to serve these clients you know, they're counting on us. You know, I feel a lot of responsibility when I'm insuring a, a, a large company and the owner of the board is, is counting on me to have the right coverage and take care of their employees and their, and their customers. So, 
you really have to understand your mission and make it real for people, you know, uh, that, you know, in, in your team, you know, when there's a serious auto accident, families are affected, companies face financial risk. And, you know, those are the types of things that we deal with. And, and you know, those are, those are serious matters. So I, I don't know how else to say it, but, you know, it's a, it's a serious business. And, you know, golf for me, competitive golf is serious business as well. So I kind of handle both of them the same way. And that's probably one of my problems, too. I, I need sometimes to take a break and relax a little bit. But uh, my free time, I move right into golf. And uh, as soon as that's over, I'm moving back into business. And, and uh, you know, I'm always... Uh, I'm kind of always on edge. <laughs> you know, I've I, I've watched you play golf more than once in a competitive fashion, and you're you're a very serious competitor. And you talked about competition in golf and competition in business. What's the difference? Is there a difference in how you look at the competition? Yeah, sometimes no. You know, the will to win, uh, whether it's you know. We always like to say insurance brokers, you know, fight with knives. It's a tough business on the street. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, some of these guys you're playing golf with are uh, equally as tough. And so, no, I think the will to win is very similar. We'll be back with the rest of David's conversation with Mike McCoy in just a moment. But have you ever wondered what David is thinking as he interviews our guests each week? Or have you been interested in hearing David's take on some of the questions that he asks his guests? Well, I do, and I know a lot of you do too. My name is Kula Callahan, and together with David, I host the Three More Questions podcast that airs every Monday. These episodes are just about 15 minutes, and in them, I asked David three questions that dive deeper into the themes of his episode with his guests. David shares incredible insights and stories from his career leading Yum! Brands, and all of his answers are super practical and inspiring, like this great insight David shared after Patrick Lencioni's interview. You know, I had this phrase that we used, healthy debate, healthy decision. And if you have that good debate, you're going to make the best decision. And when people raise conflict and basically tackle a tough issue that's and get it out on the table, stop the meeting and say, hey, way to go. That's the kind of honesty and transparency we need around here to get to the best solutions. Get the Three More Questions podcast in your feed each Monday and dive even deeper into the episodes you know and love. Just subscribe to How Leaders Lead wherever you get your podcasts. As we mentioned before, you were part of the 2015 Walker Cup team. And unfortunately, that team lost to Great Britain and Ireland that year. What big lesson did you learn from that experience that you're taking with you as a captain? That was a tough thing, not only for the players, but, you know, we had a captain that we love, Spider Miller, who I know is one of your good friends. And, um, you know, I was as crushed for him as I was for the team. You know, if you look at the teams today, you know, we, we probably had the superior team in terms of uh, world-ranked players. But, you know, when we prepared in our practice rounds, you know, the golf course played one way. You know, the wind was coming, you know, at our backs off the first tee. And the day of the match, the weather had turned and the golf course, you know, played entirely different. And so, you know, our preparation 
was for one golf course and we were ha- you know we were forced to play another and our pairings were a little mixed up because of that and we we found ourselves in bunkers we didn't know that were there because you know <laughs> the, the day before we were carrying them 30 yards past them so uh you know I'm taking that lesson and we're going to spend a little more time being prepared for wh- whichever way the wind blows yeah that's a good idea you know and, and as a business leader you know, how do you coach your insurance team to think of, about failure and that adversity and, and, and when the wind comes up and it takes you off your game? You know, when we lose a deal, I say, everybody, you get five minutes to pout and then let's take the next 20 minutes and remember all the good things we have going for us. Uh, you know, we've got a great client base. We work for a wonderful organization. We have terrific benefits. And so, you know, you don't win them all, but you got to remember the glass is still half full. And I think it's important to keep that good attitude. And you really don't want people sulking very long when things don't go your way. You know, golf can be brutal. You know, we all have to pick ourselves up off the mat when things don't go our way. How have you learned just as an individual leader and golfer on the course to regain confidence and self-belief after a setback? Well, I'm not opposed to coaching. And uh, that's one of the things I've loved about your podcast, uh, Dave, is I, you know, I, I do love to continue to learn. Uh, in golf, I still take a lot of lessons. I talk to sports psychologists. In the business world, I'll reach out to specialists if, you know, feel we can get better. And I'm not too proud to ask for help. And so to me, that's, that's what gets you back on your game is, is kind of you go back and sharpen the ax a little bit and regain a little bit of that uh, self-confidence and, and jump right back into it. You know, I, I understand that, that you really like USGA tournament setups. And not many golfers say that, which they're known for being very, very demanding. Does that translate into your professional life as well? The enjoyment of a big challenge and facing it head on? Yes, I think it does. Uh, I've always been attracted to complex clients uh, that have very, very uh, challenging insurance and risk management needs. And just like the USGA, they demand the ability to, you know, really sustain yourself over an entire week under very trying conditions. And you know, a lot of guys, when they show up and see the grass is a little longer and the greens are a little firmer and faster, you know, you've got half the field beat already. And I think that's kind of true in, in business. Some people, you know, that when they get in there and they see what a mess that, uh, you know, a, a client's got, they they just sort of throw their hands up. And that's kind of where I like to dig in and solve those big problems. You know, you've got this big challenge ahead of you now in this year's Walker Cup at the old course at St. Andrews. How have you gone about just assembling your team? And and have you looked for anything beyond the golf skills as you've done it? Well, there's an international team selection committee that's made up of a number of people. They watch the performance of all the players. Uh, we're very blessed here in America to have so many fine golfers. And so I have spent a lot of time, though, over the last couple of years. I've watched tournaments like the NCAA and the U.S. Opens and the U.S. Amateurs. And, you know, you really get to see 
how these top players prepare and how they perform when the heat's on. The one thing I would say that I've been so impressed with is they're very mature. They're all mature and they're extremely polite. Uh, and I think that's one of the things golf does for people. It, it keeps you around good people. And even the, the kids we're going to have to leave behind, I just can only imagine how difficult those calls are going to be. But I know how well they're going to take it. They're going to take it like gentlemen. And that's the thing I've been very, very pleased with is just the quality and the integrity of these young men. You know, Spider Miller, you know, our good friend was your captain in 2015. What did you learn from him? Well, Spider, you know, he's such a wonderful person and he's he's a very competitive guy too. And uh, he's he's won a lot of big championships and played on Walker Cup teams. And, you know, he wanted us to have a great experience and, and he did some things, you know, winning and losing, you know, that was important, but he made sure it was probably one of the best experiences of our lives. And one thing that he did that I'll never forget was he took the entire team to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and we were able to spend three days with Arnold Palmer. And that's where we had our uniforms fitted and we got to play golf. And Arnold came out and watched us play every day and he had dinner with us. And, you know, that was a, you know, I don't think any Walker Cup team is going to ever have an experience like that. And so that's the kind of guy Spider is. He, he just, you know, he thought of those special things, and I'm hoping to do some of that myself. I've learned that from him, and um, those are wonderful memories. You know, another guy from Iowa, Zach Johnson, is the captain for this year's Ryder Cup team. Have you leaned on each other at all, uh, getting ready for each of your team's competitions? Well, we've certainly talked a few times about it, and he has, has a few more issues to deal with. He he wasn't certain which players were going to be eligible because of the whole fractured pro professional game. But uh, uh, Zach, you know, is, is, you know, everybody in Iowa is so proud of Zach. And there's not a more competitive person than Zach Johnson. And uh, and I have the benefit of, of knowing that uh, he's willing to give us a little help. He won the, uh, the British Open at St. Andrews. So, he knows his way around there pretty well. And I've got a session set up where we're going to, he's going to walk me through the golf course and give me his thoughts on, you know, what are the best angles and how to play the course. So that's what friends do for each other. And I'm sure grateful that he's willing to share some of his knowledge with me. That's a perfect lead into my next question, because I've heard you say that, you know, you've said, and I quote, I've competed all over the world, so I'm familiar with all the emotions and preparations that's required to be successful. That begs the question here, what are those emotions and the preparation that is required to win? Well, I think, you know, discipline to, you know, get your work in, uh, get your rest, you know, eat properly, you know, those things, uh, you know, that's important. I think putting things into the, the proper context, not getting too, making it too important. You know, everybody knows it's important, but, you know, uh, you know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. It's still a game. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you do have to remember you've got a, you know, a wonderful life and just getting the opportunity to compete at that level, uh, 
you know, you just have to be thankful for that. So it's really a matter of kind of keeping things in perspective, but also, you know, doing the things and having the discipline to do the things to prepare so that when you get out there, you feel like, hey, I've hit just as many three footers as that guy. And, you know, I've put the work in and, and it's okay for me to go ahead and win this thing. You know, shifting gears, I want to take you back. You know, what's a story from your childhood that really impacted the kind of leader you are today? Well, I was fortunate to have wonderful parents, and my father owned a hardware store, just a local neighborhood hardware store. And, you know, my brothers probably spent a little more time in there working, but I did a few shifts, and I learned a lot about business from my dad and, you know, how you treat people. And, you know, just how, how to give that extra special service. You know, he, he repaired windows and doors. And at the end of the day, you know, he'd put them in the car and drive those over to somebody's house and help put them in the window. It might have been a, a widow or uh, somebody with, uh, that just didn't know what they were doing. And, and, you know, he didn't need to do that. Most hardware stores aren't giving that level of service. And he also extended credit. He believed in people. And uh, so when, you know, the small business came in, you know, and they didn't necessarily have the cash to, to you know, at that time to pay for what they needed, you know, he, he gave them credit. And, and uh, you know, for the most part, I think he always was paid back. So, and he was disciplined too. He was tough. He got up every morning, went to work and, you know, he came home had dinner and he went back and, you know, rang the cash register out and balanced the, the book. So, you know, that consistent discipline and really the way he treated, treated his customers and his employees, you know, he had employees that were there forever. And uh, even for a small business, he, he created a retirement plan for them. And, you know, I think I learned a lot from my mom and dad, just, you know, how you treat people and, for me, it carried it a little bit into business and, and you know, going the extra mile for your customers. You talked earlier about how you're constantly trying to grow. How's Mike McCoy different today as a leader than, say, 15 or 20 years ago? I would say one of the things that is different is, for some reason, most of my friends are a little older. I don't know why. I, I guess I, you know, I find people interesting and I'm very interested in what people do and how they do it. And I read a lot and way more than I used to read when I was younger. Uh, I love reading two or three newspapers and I stay current with what's, what's out there. I think I'm much more plugged into society. I'm much more plugged in to what people are doing, the challenges other people are facing. I'm really inspired by those folks, and I'm just blessed to have a wonderful group of people around me and great friends. You know, Mike, this has been so much fun, and I want to have some more with my lightning round of questions. Are, are you ready for this? Let's go. <laughs> All right. What's one word others would use to describe you? Competitive. What would you say is the one word that best describes you? Humble. If you could be one person for a day beside yourself, who would it be and why? Bobby Jones. <laughs> he was so eloquent. He had a way of speaking and writing. I thought he was fantastic. What's your biggest pet peeve? Laziness. What's the lowest score you've posted in a tournament round? 60. Wow. <laughs> Describe your... <laughs> did, you have, did you have a putt for 59? I did. <laughs> 
but oh, I missed it. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, describe your last, I can't believe this is happening to me moment. Well, when I got the call to be the Walker Cup captain for 2023, it was a, the honor of a lifetime to get asked to do that. And so, I, I, you know, when I think about where I started as a caddy, and here I am now leading, you know, the 10 best players in America. It's, it's really uh, quite a story. You know, Brian Harmon, the two-time Walker Cup player we just talked about, said he loves to get lost using, you know, his tractor in mowing 40 acres of grass. How do you chill? I'm sitting in my office here, but I, I you know, I'm a big book collector. I collect a lot of books and, uh, you know, and I read a lot. I, I just love, uh, I love to sit down and open a good book. That's the end of the lightning round, Mike. Well done. We're almost done with this, and I appreciate you taking the time again. Just a few more questions for you. For someone who wants to win in all areas of their life, you know, family, work, friendships, and also pursue their passions, what's something that's really helped you do that successfully? I think uh, setting goals, be in sales or your own financial goals or you know, this is what I want to accomplish with my golf game. These are the areas I want to see improvement in. I think, you know, setting goals is really uh, important. What do you see as your unfinished business? I sure want to win that U.S. Senior Amateur. <laughs> and I'm betting on you. <laughs> uh, last question here. What's the one piece of advice you'd give to someone that wants to be a better leader? I think you have to care. You just have to care about your people. You have to care about your customers. And if you do that, things are going to work out. You know, my former Walker Cup captain and our good friend, Buddy Marucci, had this to say about you. He said, the excellence of Mike McCoy's game is obvious. What may not be so obvious to those who have not played with him is just how well he handles himself, win or lose. The game of golf is still and will always be a gentleman's game. And Mike is the best example I know. And Mike, I've got to say, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, it's been so much fun getting to know you, watching you in action and admiring the way how you carry yourself, not only on the golf course, but as a friend and also as, as a business leader. And I really want to thank you for taking the time and what I know is just an incredible, hectic uh, uh, time for you uh, as you ready for the Walker Cup and, and wish you the best of luck. Go USA. Well, thanks, David. I, uh, I love your podcasts and I've learned so much and I'm just honored that you, you had me on. You know, I think a lot of us carry around this mental image of the ideal leader. They're charismatic and winsome, and they dazzle everyone when they walk into the room. But when you really talk to successful leaders, you can see that most of the building blocks of leadership aren't flashy at all. That's certainly the case when you see how Mike McCoy leads. You remember that great leadership looks like leaning into complexity when other people run for the hills. It looks like staying sharp with discipline and consistent hard work. And it looks like developing that level-headed mentality that helps you keep your perspective on what needs to be taken seriously and what doesn't. And boy, Mike has built two incredible careers, 
both in insurance and in golf, with that kind of attitude. Great leaders understand that grit gets results because all that hard work is needed and nothing can take the place of it. So this week, remind yourself of your own grit. Spend a few minutes each day to document the setbacks and challenges you've overcome. Tease out the lessons you've learned and ask yourself what skills and strengths you gain from those situations. Doing this simple exercise is really going to reinforce the value of grit, and it'll be a source of strength for you the next time you need to dig deep and power through a challenge. So do you want to know how leaders lead? What we learned today is that grit gets results. And speaking of grit, coming up next week on How Leaders Lead is Brandon Bean, the general manager of the Buffalo Bills and one of the top executives in the National Football League. I just kept trying to learn every area, talking to people. You still have to tend to the main job that you're being hired for, but using your extra time, not while you're on the clock, so to speak, learning from others in your building, also making contacts with counterparts around the league to ask them how they do things. And you're always looking for ideas, again, while you're focused on the job you're doing at hand. So be sure to come back again next week to hear our entire conversation. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead, where every Thursday you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I make it a point to give you something simple on each episode that you can apply to your business so that you will become the best leader you can be. 